everybody, one and all, welcome to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, and not just any fantasy. Today is a special day in which we go back to one of our early series in Friends Talking Fantasy history. Some would say the earliest. Yeah, some (laughs) would say that because it is. (laughs) We're talking about Mistborn by Brandon Sanderson. Uh, This is going to be our Mistborn and the Art of the Magic System episode where we chat about what makes Mistborn pretty much the gold standard when it comes to hard magic systems in the fantasy genre. I think that's most people's go-to. If you ask them, what's the best magic system in fantasy? You're going to get a lot of answers about Mistborn. So we're going to just take a look at why. That's very true. And, you know, it's just another opportunity for us to talk about a series that both of us really enjoy. And I think the magic system and the way that it's written and exposed to us throughout the narrative is a huge reason why we like this entire series. It's funny because that was the first series we ever read and we, you know, we read the last book and we were like, well, so long, Miss Bourne. It was awesome talking to you, but now it has to end. But now that we had our experienced podcast, was like, you know what? We could do more episodes about Miss Bourne. You know, there's no reason why we had to stop. So we're very excited to bring it back into the fold for, for all the listeners. As am I, Charles. There's no reason to let Mistborn go. So I think we ought to give a heads up that we're going to have spoilers through Mistborn Era 1. So that'll be the first three books, the original trilogy of Mm -hmm. Mistborn. So if you haven't read Mistborn yet, then first off, we highly recommend checking out Mistborn, I mean, a modern classic of the fantasy genre. And we also recommend that maybe uh, you turn this down in your headphones right now because uh, we we will be spoiling era one of Mistborn herein. Mm, Yes, yes, yes. If you have not read the original Mistborn trilogy, definitely turn this down in your headphones. Well said. Ye be warned. And <laughs> let's uh, let's jump into it here, Dylan. So we've decided to structure the conversation. You know, if you go to Brandon Sanderson's website, he has very extensive annotations on all of his books, but he also has like a blog in which he he shares a lot of his philosophies on writing fantasy. And one of the most popular, I would say, on the on his blog and and um, part of his teachings is his uh, laws of magic. Right, Charles. So we figured that this episode we could pretty much use Sanderson's own laws as a guide as we look at why Mistborn's magic system works so well. So I think a little knowledge you need heading in to understanding Sanderson's laws are the distinction between hard and soft magic systems, which is basically a spectrum. It's not a 
binary thing where you could just say this is either soft or hard. But uh, typically at the soft end of the magic system spectrum, uh, you have uh, the magic that we don't really understand how it works. And the example typically given for a soft magic system would be Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. Uh, though if you dive deep into some of this legendarium stuff or Silmarillion, maybe you, you know a lot more than Charles and I do <laughs> about what Gandalf can and can't do. But if you just take the main trilogy of the Lord of the Rings, it's like, what can Gandalf actually do? We know he can do magic, but we're not sure. There aren't clear rules. And that would be soft magic system. All the way on the other end of the spectrum, uh, we have hard magic system, and Mistborn would fall into this category, pretty right. much a quintessential hard <laughs> magic system. And in this, we have clear rules that the reader understands about how the magic system works. So it's delineated somewhere in the book itself, and then magic becomes something of a tool in the character's toolkit. So we as readers know, uh, let's say, when you uh, burn uh, a particular metal, what kind of power that is going to elicit for our characters. Right, exactly. um, uh, Soft magic, you know, very much like Gandalf. This very much like there's no, like, cause and effect it's just like oh i'm the wizard and in this moment i called down this power and and did these things a lot of older school high fantasy employs this kind of magic like a lot of old school wizards kind of and 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 then there's this hard magic system that's very um you know cause and effect did you can kind of there's a science to it almost and that's what I think is um, Sanderson's like crowning achievement with Mistborn is these like this cause and effect scientific approach uh, to his to his magic system, but also in like how he you know how he teaches it, and I think that kind of goes into the into the um, first law here. If you want to bring us in. Sure thing. So Sanderson's first law is your ability to solve problems in a satisfying way is directly proportional to how well the reader understands said magic. So he'll also say this is really just about proper foreshadowing. So it's the same idea that you would want to have the pieces together or or at least somewhere in the text for a reader to be able to theoretically solve a problem that a character is trying to work out. Uh, So in a hard magic system, which is uh, you have a very strong understanding as a reader of said magic, uh, then that gives you a lot more room to allow your characters to solve problems in a satisfying way. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you'll see not a lot of the big problems in something like well, we won't spoil Lord of the Rings, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> right. So uh, it is difficult to, in a soft magic system, solve problems using the magic because we as readers will be like, oh, I guess magic can do that. That came out of nowhere. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like using magic as a way to 
um, inexplicably solve a problem, which can be common in a lot of like not so great fantasy. It's like, and then the wizard showed up and did some magic and everything's cool now. It's like, but how did he do that? Like, why can he do that? Um, it, it doesn't feel earned for us. And how Sanderson is it that his first law is talking about making sure the reader understands things? That to me is very like quintessential Brandon Sanderson. He's always thinking about the reader experience. And the Mistborn magic system is not necessarily an easy thing to like if you were sitting in a classroom it's like here's how um metallurgy works and how like being a mistborn works you know there's way too much going on but it's the way in which he he teaches it and then the way he sets up these conflicts and the solution to the conflicts are all very clever and and you know we have some notes here of a couple different examples of the story in which um vin uses her understanding of allomancy to to solve problems and it's always in these like creative ingenious ways and it's ways that we understand as the reader like oh yeah like that's actually kind of clever like um you know there's there's so many like moments where she's like oh wow well now none of these people are wearing metal so i can't like push off of them so i'll have to like go around them or like propel myself off of things you know she's doing all these really interesting things and and that all comes down to this ability to explain it to the reader and for us to understand that it's working and that it actually is what it works within the rules of the magic system it's not out of nowhere problem solving like maybe a softer magic system would do for sure charles and also worth mentioning while we're on this rule that Sanderson's not claiming that there's anything wrong uh, with uh, soft magic systems. He's just saying, don't try to solve problems using your soft magic system. Yeah, that's well said. That's a very important distinction. Like we all love Gandalf, you know, it's not like he, um, he he, like breaks the tension of a conflict, you know, He, he sometimes does, but he always like does it in an epic way. It's not just like we're relying on magic to get us through this moment that uh, you know we don't understand what's going on it's just like oh and then they're saved because magic it's like what (laughs) not as satisfying to a reader when it's just like well because magic and not well because vin understood that they were low on their medals and and she was able to kind of outrun them and and then destroy and then defeat them you know so it's like oh okay interesting like i get that (laughs) right so i mean this is as simple as when you see in Mistborn, the characters are able to like essentially fly, quote unquote, to solve their problems uh, right. by using that coin pushing, right? Yes. Uh, well, we know that they can push against something that's metal. Uh, we know that it's kind of a weight comparison situation that happens yeah. where if I weigh more than a a coin then yes it goes down if i push it but also then it hits the ground and i i definitely don't weigh more than the world uh right so then and vin certainly doesn't (laughs) and then pushing against 
the Earth sends her flying up. So, right. And if she's from, fighting someone and she's pushing against someone that weighs more than her, which is most people because she's yes. very small, she, she can't she doesn't really have that luxury because she'll just be the one that's flying backwards. And sometimes she can use that to her advantage. Other times it, it's a disadvantage and it just depends on the circumstance of the fight. And that's what makes it um, exciting to witness like a to witness a, um, a battle between Alamancers. Yeah, and we also get some interesting stuff with, obviously, Vin's earring is a big thing, and we have all this time where Vin is using, like, seeker magic, uh, which means that, like, she can detect uh, that other people are burning metals. Uh, right. So she's using that magic in a way that bro- goes through copper clouds, which is supposed to shield that people are using magic. And that's another thing where we're kind of thinking, oh, why is that able to happen? Is there something special about Vin? But even that, Sanderson has laid out all of the ground rules uh, for us, at least by the time uh, the big twist with Vin's earring uh, happens, uh, right. where we know that about hemallergy, which is something where you can... Uh, basically uh, put metal inside someone's body and that gives them extra power. And we also know things like Vin has a sister that was killed by her mother and all these kind of things that end up coming together for explaining why Vin is able to burst through copper clouds in a way that resonates with the pieces being there, even if we as the reader aren't always able to yeah, put it together. Exactly. And that's before. what makes that such a great reveal at the end of the book is like, this is something Sanderson set up in the beginning. Like, oh, Vin always had this earring. And then it's like, oh, this is how furikemi works. And this is how hemallergy works. And, you know, all these things that Vin always just was extra talented at that we kind of took for granted all click into place as part of the structure it fits right in with all the laws that Sanderson has been presenting to us since the beginning. And that's what makes that a huge moment. Another one that I really like is kind of the mystery of the Lord Ruler, where it's like, how is this guy so much more powerful than everyone else? And you don't quite understand it until the end of the first book, when you realize that he is both a Fiera chemist and an Alamancer. And right. it's like, oh, so he's using the powers of one to feed into the powers of the other and he just has like limitless power and that's how he's making himself immortal like from the outside people not understanding the rules he just seems all powerful but then when you learn about the rules you may even still not piece it together and it's not until the reveal you're like you know that makes perfect sense within the laws sanderson very explicitly set out for us already and introducing this new twist it all fits right into it and that's what makes it such an interesting an exciting twist in, in the first book. Well said, Charles. So we get all the pieces from obviously Vin and Kelsier. We know all about Alamancy, but we also right. get to meet Sezed and learn about Farakemi from him well before that twist is revealed. So instead right. of just a, a thing at the end where it's like, oh, okay, I guess the Lord Ruler was just immortal because reasons, we get, yeah. oh, he was manipulating both of these systems which we understood as readers very well and if we had a long time to figure it out or or maybe we were really clever and we figured it out but i I know i didn't the first time no i I definitely did Um, not either (laughs) but i knew when it was revealed oh sanderson put all the pieces out there and i just didn't make that connection 
Right. Very well said. Cool. Well, are we feeling good on talking a bit about Sanderson's first law and ready to move on to the second law? The second law. Let's do it. So the second law is that limitations are more interesting than capabilities when it comes to a magic system, which is, I think, at first counterintuitive, right? We think we are interested in magic because of what it makes it possible for us to do that would not be possible otherwise. However, when we, a lot of examples that people give are like, (laughs) when we think of Superman, who's just amazing at everything, basically, he's oftentimes considered one of the more boring superheroes. And and if you think about now, uh, which superheroes are most popular and like the Marvel stuff that's picked up, it's not Superman in part because he's just too good at stuff and the people that we're interested in often are the ones that have more limits so to bring that into mistborn here uh, a big thing that we learn as a, a limit of the power in mistborn is for pushing and pulling metals we can only go in vectors and right that creates all sorts of interesting scenarios where the characters they can't just fly wherever they want and mm-hmm. uh, they have to actually uh, use the limits of their system to solve their problems. And it gives us a chance for characters to figure out new applications of uh, their of their powers sure. and then actually like build character through how they can be clever and interesting about it. And an sure. example that came up for me was like Vince Horseshoe Trick. Yeah. Uh, where she basically figures out how to uh, use horseshoes to fly really long distances by uh, pushing and then pulling and kind of rotating which horseshoes she's using. So that that was a fun moment in Mistborn. Absolutely. And, you know, this idea of understanding the limitations and exploiting them is what Vin is particularly good at as an Alamancer and as a Mistborn. Maybe not so much her just pure raw power, but her ingenuity and the way she uses the power. And I think this is Sanderson understanding his second law. It's like by having limitations, you create a tension and a suspense that we can actually buy into. And for me, like, yes, there's this idea of like, there's a limitation to like pushing and pulling and you can only go in vectors, but there's also like discovering limitations to something that's perceived as overpowered and for me that brings me to the Mistborn fight between Vin and Shan S-H-A-N Shan Sean how do we say that Shan Shay? is it there's an N at the end of that I thought it was just Shay oh I'm on the Mistborn wiki and there's an N okay, at the they're end they're gonna but, know more than me but, but, it, but yeah but the, yeah there's this great moment where there are two Mistborns and they're fighting and then Vin realizes that she has uh, her opponent is burning atium and a lot of it. And atium allows you to see into the future. It's like, well, look, if someone else has atium and you don't, you're going to lose because they can they can see the future and they know what you're going to do. And then Vin understands that, but then she's able to exploit that. Like she's able to burn atium and then like at a crucial moment stop burning atium which confuses shan and gives vin the opportunity to kill her with an arrow and that 
to me was like such a great fight because it was the limitations of something that was perceived as overpowered. It's like Vin figured out how to take advantage of someone who was confident in the the ability that you can see the future. It's like, well, how can I um, trick her into thinking she's seeing a certain future and then use that to defeat her? And that's exactly what happened in that fight. And that's a great example of the limitations creating these earned beautiful moments and that you know that sanderson just mastered it there for sure charles another thing that comes up is just the sheer fact that they depend on having access to these metals in order to be able to use their powers right yes yes misborn is a way less interesting story if being a misborn just means you always have the powers that <laughs> yes. atm provides right so i think that you have these interesting plot points that can develop because ATM is not always available. And sometimes Vin doesn't have access to it when some of these wealthier folks uh, or more, for whatever reason, other people will have access to ATM when she doesn't. And she has to figure out, hey, how am I going to solve these problems, these conflicts, if I don't have access to some of the tools that other people have at their disposal. And it makes it more exciting and awesome when you get these moments like when they find the ATM stash at the end of the whole well, the, the whole series, the whole uh, era one, shall I say. Right. And then, you know, Ellen is marching out there with all these other folks and they're all just chock full of ATM to the point that their stomach hurts. It's like, this is so epic because we have it, like, it's actually relative to the fact that you don't always have access to this power. Very and that's well why said. I think, like, the limitations are so important. Exactly. And it's because ATM is so valued that it even is kind of woven into the world building aspects. Like, the Lord Ruler was controlling the ATM supply and he was using that to gain control over the nobility so at every level both from like the power structure to like the world building like how the economics of Mistborn work it they're all connected and it's this limitations aspect of it that's almost as interesting as how powerful it is it's like hey i can restrict access to this and control people through this and then it's like now we need to find it and it's like now we have it but there's you know you know we have to fight other people that have it so you know it's, it's it's always interesting and there's always conflict that feels like earned and that we understand it and we're still like surprised by it when vin has these breakthroughs great points you're making there charles and i think they lead well into the third law which is expand on what you have already before you add something new so what yeah. you're talking about with atm is uh, rather than sanderson thinking oh i need to go off and do all this other different stuff he stops and thinks how can i flesh out the ways that my magic system impacts the world and one of the ways is that atm is uh be by nature of being this powerful and burning away like all the other metals do when right. used by alamancers becomes this interesting like supply and demand situation where it's extremely highly sought after and plays that huge role in the economy and consequently the plot of the book. So a big thing is considering how the magic impacts the world around you is one of the aspects of uh, really exploring the depth of any given system 
before expanding outward and trying to just add all this other stuff without <laughs> explaining why it is the way it is. Yeah, that's very true. You know, this goes back to Sanderson, like understanding the reader experience. Like when we meet Vin, we just know that she has this, she's like people like her around and she can like, it's almost like this good luck charm. And then you learn, oh, it's because she's burning a particular medal. Then you learn about Mistborns. Then you learn about Fear Academy. And then in the, you only hear about Hemology, like, towards like the end of the second book you don't even really know what it is and it's not until the third book where they might even actually say hemology for the first time so like weaving in these ideas and having them build on top of each other and then in cases like you know atm like having it be part of the greater world building aspect of it is what makes this world like truly lived in it's not just like um being a misborn is a soul exists solely on its own it's like no it's in this world and if a misborn truly existed in this world and all these metals are required there's going to be a huge demand and, and so it's very clever of sanderson to be like well what if the lord ruler just you know mined all the atm and hoarded it and and dished it out in little pieces like that would be the source of his wealth so uh yeah super great exactly yeah, and, and as you mentioned, there are three magic systems uh, that we learn across Mistborn, uh, but it still feels like Saracen is emphasizing depth over breadth with these systems, in part because they're they're interrelated by the fact that metal plays a clear role in all of them. So that interweaves all the systems. He also gives us three separate books, uh, each of which we get kind of more of a deep dive sure. into a particular magic system. So uh, another thing he, he does to expand on the system is, uh, again, we get some new magic powers that emerge even within something like Almancy from book one to book two uh, and so on. But rather than just making this new magic system that allows him to do that, he has us get to discover new metals like uh, we learn about uh, duralumin in mm -hmm. book two i believe which uh, basically allows you to just quickly uh, burn all of another metal to make your power even stronger so now we're having some fun with oh we knew what pewter did let's say but what if i burn duralumin at the same pewter enhances your strength if uh, mm. it's been a little while since uh, <laughs> strength, endurance, speed, those kind of things, a physical uh, enhancement. Uh, and then Duralumin allows you to release all of that in one huge burst. What kind of things can we accomplish with this pre-established metal of pewter if we add in this extra metal of exactly. Duralumin? And then going back to the second law about limitations being greater than powers, there's limitations to Duralumin because when you use it, you're all, you're, like it's incredible power, but then you are completely depleted of metal. So of that, whatever type you burned. So if you did a Duralumin push of pewter, then you have no pewter left. And if you're in yes. a fight, you would get over. And if someone else is burning pewter, they're going to be stronger than you when you're going to lose. So there's always this cause and effect aspect of it. And, um, Everything is like a finite resource and you can flare it, you can burn Duralumin, but the more you flare it, the faster it burns and the less amount of time that you'll have it. And in many cases, Vin is in constant need of preserving her metals because there's always that next enemy, you know? So um, right. that's just 
the nature of being a Mistborn is is balancing your your metal supply. And Duralumin adds another layer to that where it's like, oh, now I could go all in and just like do a Duralumin push and like fly. I do a steel push off of something and just blast into orbit, you know, but it's like, but then I need to, hopefully I have another vial in hand to drink so that I can stop myself on the way down and I don't get myself killed. So, um, yeah, very, very interesting. And as you talk about that and its relevance to the second law, it makes me think about the times where Vin is completely out of metals. And it's very interesting to see a character grapple with the fact that like, yeah, if I have all my medals, I am a freaking like <laughs> yeah. a killing machine is basically what Vin <laughs> is if she wants to be when she has access to all of her medals. But then you take all that away and she's just, uh, you know, what is she? She's a teenager pretty much the whole series, Yeah, she right? goes into her early so 20s by the end of okay. the book. But for so, most of it, she's in her teen years, yeah. Sure. So she's a teenage girl or a yeah, young woman with no particular powers to work with at times. And it's, right. it's interesting to watch a character just reconcile that with the fact that sometimes they are extremely powerful right and there's also metals that um that immediately clear out your your metal uh storage in your body right and and so there's ways in which you know when she's getting interrogated people can make sure she has no metal so she's not that posing killing machine they force her to swallow a metal that you know burns out all her other metals instantly and then this idea of there's some people that can only use one kind of metal and how they get grouped together. It's like, oh, he's a person that can just burn this metal and has this capability. And then like how they form armies to fight Mistborn out of people that can only burn one metal. You know, it's very interesting and it all builds on top of each other and it all it, it all just continues to grow. And it's all part of that expansion on how we know the balance of metals works, the pairing of metals works, the cause and effect, the economy of it. It's all super interesting. And Sanderson has a masterful way of explaining it to us that it doesn't feel like we have to feel like in a classroom learning about this. You know, it's all told through the narrative. Like the very first chapter, like one of the opening things in, in, in this book is Kelsier just destroying people and it's cool and it's fun he's like he's sneaking into house venture i think and, and he's stealing mm-hmm. he's stealing atium and yep. you just see him fighting all these people and all of a sudden there's people that come out with wooden shields because they know that mm-hmm. a misborn can just deflect armor and, and you're just learning all this through the narrative and it never feels like you're being lectured to and then it just kind of piles on a little bit at a time throughout the reading experience and it always feels paid off and fun and exciting very movie-esque as we always said in our buddy reads it's like man this reads like a movie this would be a great movie a great video game because there are these elements of it that are so exciting and so action oriented that naturally just progress the story as well as being kind of intricate and complicated and it's that fine balance that i think makes a lot of people be like Mistborn, best magic system, you know, very simply that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I think, Charles, you're leading us toward Sanderson's zeroth law here, which is error on the side of awesome. (laughs) And all of those things that you're talking about there, Charles, how cinematic uh, we 
how cinematic those fight scenes end up being, how many cool things that we get to see Vin, Kelsier, and others do using this magic system. It is all indeed awesome. 100% could not agree more. All the Mistborn fights, I mean, right out of the bat, this is a, a series that is entertaining, action-packed, picturesque. You know, there's all these different set pieces, fighting moments, different action styles, fun twists, fun reveals, and it's all embedded in the root of the story, which is the magic system. Well said, Charles. Well, I, are you feeling like we said our piece over here I'm, on this magic system? You know, I feel like we said it all. It's fun to be back here talking about Miss Bourne. You know, I missed it. It's a great series, and you know, one I would easily recommend to anybody. And uh, yeah, check out Sanderson's website. Read more. He's an open book, pun intended, when it comes to Nailed his it. his writing style and his philosophies and writing. I mean, the guy's recorded lectures for free on YouTube that you can watch. He's really just an amazing wealth of knowledge. And uh, it was very helpful in preparing for this episode to just read his annotations and his own writings. And it, And it's so clearly exemplified in Mistborn. I think Mistborn is a masterwork of a magic system. There's a reason that it's our go-to gateway fantasy recommendation here at the FDF podcast. That's right. Well, with all that being said, let's get this outro music going. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. This has been your co-hosts, Dylan and Charles. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, let us know. Reach out to us on Twitter at the FTF Podcast with a number one at the end. You can also reach out to us on Facebook and Instagram at the FTF Podcast. If you're the kind of person that likes to email your podcast hosts, go ahead and do that. We'd love to read. Yeah, we'd love to read some emails from you guys. And that's uh, the FTF Podcast at gmail.com. Now, Dylan, if they like what they heard, they want to show their love, and they just happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts, what kind of options are available to them? Toss five stars to our podcast. Just yes. click that five-star rating. And, and that's pretty easy to do, and we would really, really appreciate that. But you, you could also write a review, and that would be even better. But we'll just take the five stars if you only have time for that. We know you're busy. Yeah, yeah you know, it's it's hard enough to, like, go into Apple Podcasts, search for the podcast, click the – like, log into your uh, Apple ID, click the thing. You know, it's, it's, it's work. But if you – you know – it's within the realm of possibility and it's free and we love you for it so thank you for considering that thank you so much for listening and as always go forth and conquer friends